Section 15 of Birds in All Nature, Volume 4, Number 4, October, 1898. Recorded for LibriVox.org by Juliet Brown. Birds in Garden and Orchard During the last year I have received quite a number of letters from all over the United States, inquiring why so few birds are found about the homes, among the ornamental shrubs and trees, and in the orchard. My correspondents also wish to know how our beautiful native songsters can be induced to take up their residence in the neighborhood of man. As the many inquiries came from the east, the west, the north, and the south, I shall treat the subject in the following manner. The northern, eastern, and central states show but little difference as to their bird life, and there is also little diversity in regard to the ornamental trees and shrubs of the gardens. The region included is bounded on the north by the British possessions, on the east side by the Atlantic Ocean, on the west side by the Rocky Mountains, and on the south by the Indian Territory, Arkansas, Tennessee, and North Carolina. While living in the country, I have always had birds at my home and in the neighborhood, and I shall, therefore, give my own experience. Birds settle only where they find the surroundings perfectly congenial, and where they are protected and consequently feel safe, where dense shrubbery, evergreens, and deciduous trees abound, and where water and suitable nesting material are near at hand. In one garden they are exceedingly numerous, while in another one close by only a few pairs, perhaps, are to be found. When protected they soon learn to regard man as their friend. Their enemies, especially cats, squirrels, and owls, must not be allowed to rove about in the garden and orchard, and such thieves and robbers as the blue jay, the loggerhead shrike, or butcher bird, and that abominable tramp and anarchist among birds, the English sparrow, should never be tolerated in a garden or park where other birds are expected to make their homes. In the days of my boyhood the groves re-echoed with the songs of many birds. The woods, however, had been cleared away, and in the poor remnants of the once magnificent forests there are few birds to be found to-day. The sweet notes of the very, the thundering sounds of the ruffled grouse, the loud hammering of the pileated woodpecker, are no longer heard. I have devoted much time to erecting birdhouses and planting ornamental trees and shrubs for the accommodation of the birds. Here they soon took up their residences. On the top of the barn and granary martin boxes were placed, and in the gables of the barn holes were cut to admit the pretty barn swallow and the phoebe. Among the first birds to settle were the robins and bluebirds, both heralds of spring, appearing in the last days of March or early in April from their winter homes in our southern states. The Baltimore oriole suspended its beautiful hanging nest from a high horizontal branch of a walnut tree. The cedar bird, quiet and retired in its habits, and a most beautiful denizen of the garden, placed its nest constructed of sheep's wool on a low horizontal branch of an oak. The sprightly canary-like song of the American goldfinch, often called the wild canary, was heard throughout the summer, and its cozy little nest, lined warmly with thistle-down, was placed in the upright exterior branches of a sugar-maple. In the same tree, but lower down on a horizontal branch, the exquisite pendulous nest of the red-eyed vireo was now and then found. The vireo is an incessant songster as it gleans among the upper branches of the trees. The rose-breasted grosbeak invariably nested in a clump of dense wild crab-apple trees, partly overgrown with grapevines. Another inhabitant of the grove, not easily overlooked, is the bold kingbird, 
the guardian of the barnyard, its nest saddled on a rather strong, moss-covered limb of another oak. I could mention a number of other birds that build their nests near the dwellings of man, but space will not permit me to do so. I will add, however, that if my readers would have about them these beautiful and useful birds, which are almost the best friends of mankind, don't allow English sparrows to come near your home, and you will find yourself in the midst of the songsters. The incredible numbers of English sparrows, now found almost everywhere, have driven our native birds away. Joseph F. Honecker, Oak Forest, Indiana End of section 15 this recording is in the public domain.